So, a big good morning to everyone here this morning. Uh, as we say, we're from the wilds of Whitchurch Baptist, or actually, if I'm going to be really honest, um, we actually live in Andover. Cool, I was expecting some booze at that point, so that's a couple of intakes of breath, but, you know, we're not too bad, really. Um, so this morning we're going to be looking together at this passage from Colossians, uh, chapter 1, verses 15 to 23, and this idea that Jesus is at the centre of everything. Because he was, he is, and will be at the centre for all time. But why should you be listening uh, to this rambling guy with glasses, you might wonder? I think that would be fair. Uh, who am I? Where have I come from? Who's the lovely lady with the lovely voice that's been leading the worship? So an introduction, a proper introduction. Um, I'm Alex. Uh, I'm from Portsmouth originally. Um, I've been going to church since I was a fetus. Um, obviously, I didn't have a choice at that point. That was more, uh, you know, vehicular status of mother. Um, but I had a genuine revelation of God um, through a song called, I Want to Be a Cowboy for Jesus. Um, you know, massive pinnacle of, of faith, um, but it, it made a real difference in my life. I've been to a number of churches over the years, worshipping in different circumstances, through different styles, with a number of different people over the years. And also, weirdly, um, I've also worshipped in Thatcham Baptist Church, uh, which appears to have had the same architect as yours, uh, because it's got the same... Uh, breeze block set up, the same kind of angled wooden roof and the same slanted windows down the side. So if you are a fan of this style of building, uh, feel free to visit Thatcham Baptist Church and it's exactly the same. But this good lady with me is Prue, uh, it's my fiance and we're planning to get married next year. And we have a spud who uh, has been ill for 10 days and is not feeling at his best but he's there nonetheless. Uh, who Prue's obviously had all of his life, but I've sort of picked up uh, a long route more recently. That's who we are. But it's actually not who we are. Because who we are is surely defined by Jesus. Because he is at the centre of all things. And that includes our lives. Jesus is at the centre of our lives. How do we define ourselves? Obviously, I, we wanted to start with an introduction. Anne introduced us at the beginning. I started with an introduction of who we are, which is, you know, understandable in our, in our everyday lives. If we've never met someone before, you kind of want to know who they are, want to know a bit about them. And we've never been to Basingstoke Baptist, so you have very little idea about us. So I gave you a brief guide to Alex. But what if I'd introduced myself in a different way? What if I'd introduced myself as a guy in a check shirt with bacon socks? Check those out. Bacon socks. Or if I'd introduced myself as a slightly balding music nerd who works for a company that sells window shutters. Or as Brian... Um, which is technically my first name, um, the guy whose father got the names the wrong way round when it came to signing the birth certificate. I was always meant to be called Brian. Uh, 
no, I was always meant to be called Alex, uh, and he forgot and put uh, Brian Alexander rather than Alexander Brian. We never let him forget it. Or if I introduced myself as a guy whose portrayal of the king in The King and I apparently reduced a grown man to tears when I was a teenager. Would it have made a difference as to what you thought of me? Because actually how we describe ourselves first has a massive effect on first impressions. As Christians, as people that believe in Christ, surely the way we introduce ourselves should be very, very different. I'm Alex, a follower of Jesus for over 20 years. But that's really all you need to know about me, because all that truly matters is Jesus. In this morning's reading uh, that Iris read to us from Colossians 1, 15 to 23, Jesus is described as being the image of the invisible God, which I love because Paul is talking about Jesus being at the centre of all things because he is God shown to us. Jesus was. We've been singing about it this morning. He was at the beginning. Jesus was, is, and always will be God. As it says in verse 17 of the reading, He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Paul, um, who wrote this letter, he writes to churches around the known world when he was writing, many of which of his letters we're lucky enough to have to this day, including what he wrote to the church at Colossae. It wasn't a big city, it wasn't an impressive city, it had grown quite a bit and then had diminished in importance by the time Paul was writing there. It was in Asia Minor, so if you think about Paul being a Roman citizen, he should be thinking all roads lead to Rome. But actually he doesn't, because Paul knows that all roads should lead to Jesus. So it's thought that the book of Colossians, uh, it was a letter in response to growing reports of heretical teaching amongst the growing church there. And Paul's care for his fellow believers means that he wants them to fully believe so that their faith can be fully real. And in order to do that, it means that Paul focuses on Jesus. In verse 18 of chapter 1, it reminds us this, that he is the beginning the firstborn from the dead, that in everything might be preeminent. Jesus is at the centre, the first over all things, there from the beginning, and ruling over all. Which is what I love about the Bible, is the consistency. I don't know about you, but I have often heard criticism mainly from atheists, mainly from people outside of the church, about how the Old Testament is full of judgment. God is angry with people all of the time. And none of it makes sense. Which, if you've ever gone through the book of Leviticus, the book of Numbers, the book of Deuteronomy, the book of Kings, um, often can be the case. It is somewhat confusing 
God seems to be angry. But actually in view of us looking at Colossians 1, I thought you, I would remind you about the awesome start of John's Gospel. Which says this. Hopefully you can read it, um, because I had to use a, a somewhat smaller font. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God, and his name was John. He came as a witness, to bear witness about the light, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light, the true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Jesus was that word of God there from the beginning. The light of the world was in the beginning with God. It's a key reading, which sadly we only seem to have at Christmas. But it talks about how central Jesus is to God's story, right from the beginning. Before the beginning, in fact. And one of the things that God has been speaking to me about, particularly over the past year, is how Jesus is revealed right through the Bible. And through the whole of life. So just last month um, in Whitchurch Baptist, I was speaking about the story of Joseph. Now obviously, if you've ever seen the Andrew Lloyd Webber musical, um, you'll you'll be familiar with the story. Guy is not particularly well liked by his family, uh, sold into slavery uh, by his brothers. Um, They fake his death. Um, He goes to become a slave Um, is falsely accused and uh, ends up in prison um, because God has given this amazing ability with dreams. Um, He goes before Pharaoh and Pharaoh ends up making him uh, the prime minister, basically, through a time of great famine in Egypt. It's a really amazing story. But what has been so amazing is that the parallels with Jesus is really quite unreal. He's rejected by those he loves. His clothes are torn from his back. He's beaten. He's abandoned. If you want more details, feel free to to ask me afterwards. That carries on. Jesus is revealed in the Psalms of David. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The words that Jesus uses. The prophecies of Isaiah and Daniel both speak about Jesus. The wisdom of the minor prophets, which again reveal the heart of Jesus. The social justice of Jeremiah again reveals the heart of Jesus. Jesus is there throughout the Old Testament. He's running through it like a scene. Almost just as much as the New Testament. You need to know where to look, and most importantly, how to look. And that means reading the Bible through the filter of Jesus, 
Because actually, if you're thinking about Jesus when reading the Old Testament, you'll see him on every page. Jesus is there, present through all things and in all situations. What is so hard is that life so often gets in our way. It blocks our view of our creator and our saviour. Because if you think about Jesus being the centre, Jesus being there always, well then actually, it's not Jesus that goes away when we can't feel him. It's us. Oh, sorry. So life can so often block that view of our creator and our saviour. Um, it's a, a cliche, it's an old saying that dates back to uh, the war um, that says there are no atheists in foxholes. Um, and I found um, an example of it from uh, General MacArthur. Um, but I think it was a saying uh, before, he, before he said it. So there are no fo- atheists in the foxholes. And they, they're the name of the little bunkers where soldiers would crouch to avoid bullets. It means that under fire, when people are being shot at, all people find some sort of belief. And to an extent that is true. When faced with one's own mortality, it does make us think about whether there is more to life or not. And for many, fantastically, this means finding Jesus in the middle of a crisis. At your lowest, you can find God. If any of you needs a reminder about this, that God meets us even when life is awful, speak to Prue afterwards. Her testimony continues to amaze me, and I obviously know it. I was there uh, throughout. But I'm sure she'd be happy to share her testimony with you, because God does some amazing things when life is utterly, utterly hideous. Because Jesus is there, and Jesus cares always at the centre of things, and that includes our lives. And that means we need to know how to focus on him. To know where to look. So that we can see him, and we can experience Jesus. Because with Jesus in our lives, this big, confusing, difficult mess we call life, is actually so much more bearable. It's more alive, it's more genuine. It's not necessarily easier or less horrid. Um, But, and I do like the word but uh, in sermons, but it does mean that there will be someone there for us always. And that actually does make a big difference. Even when life is going horribly wrong around you, when people are being awful, God still loves you. Jesus is still with you. If you've not made that decision to invite Jesus into your life yet, maybe today is the day to make that choice. So why does it matter to us that Jesus is at the centre? Why does it make any difference to our lives whatsoever? Well, because Jesus isn't just an abstract being He's not distant. He's not aloof. He's not running reality from the centre of the universe. Jesus is at the centre 
of everything, and that includes our lives. Jesus is there for each of us. It carries on in the reading. Colossians 1, 21-22. And you. He has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death, in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. Jesus has reconciled us by his death. He's brought us home. He's brought us back into the family of God by dying for us. Because of what he did in our place, we are reconciled with God. However, I have often found that the church, not just Basingstoke Baptist, Whitchurch Baptist, bigger things like Hillsong or Elim or HTB or any others you might want to name, the global organisation that claims to follow Jesus, the church with a capital C, often seeks this above reproach aspect without remembering the whole of this verse. It is right to always pursue Christ's way of doing things, to seek to be better and to have our conduct be perfect. But, and again, it's a big but, that completely does away with the need for grace. As it says in this passage, Jesus died so that we could be reconciled to God. So that Jesus himself would present us as holy and blameless and above reproach. Jesus does that because we can't. In our own strength, we can never, ever, ever achieve that high standard of living. So if Jesus doesn't expect us to maintain a blameless life, why does the church? It's a question seemingly without answer, and one that I am forever finding has had an impact upon people outside. How many of you have heard people say this phrase? I could never go to church. I'm not a very good person. Or conversely, I'm a good person. I don't need to go to church. Both of these are totally missing the point. We are not good because we go to church. People are not bad because they don't. We are all very good. We are all loved equally because we were made in God's image. We don't need the church because we've got nothing better to do on a Sunday. We need it because the church is the body of Christ. And whether the global church reflects it or not, he is there right at the very centre. Jesus is at the centre of creation. He is at the centre of our lives. And he is at the centre of the Bible. And he is there at the centre of the church. Jesus is there at the centre of absolutely everything. Jesus himself said it much more succinctly and perfectly than I ever could. And that, of course, is what faith in Christ is all about. The fact that he knows a lot better than we do. In Matthew 9, verses 12 and 13, when the Pharisees are questioning Jesus... 
on why he is choosing to share his dinner table with tax collectors. He says this. Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. And just to be clear, I'm not pointing the finger at you lot. I mean everyone around the world. In our own strength, we will never be good enough. We will never be righteous enough. We will never be blameless. We will never be above reproach. By ourselves, we will never be good enough. We will never be enough. Except that with Jesus in our lives, we will. Because Jesus is at the centre of all things. Jesus is at the centre of the universe, of creation. Jesus is at the centre of our lives. Jesus is at the centre of the Bible. Jesus is at the centre of the church. And actually, Jesus is at the centre of our future as well. If we have him at our centre, that means that we will always be good enough, we will always be loved enough. And we have a future, not just for now, not just for a few more years, or hopefully a few more years, but actually for all of eternity, which is a long, long time indeed. It's beyond time. That is how much Jesus Jesus is at the centre of. Not just there from the beginning. Not just there through creation and the universe. Not just there right the way through the Bible. Not just there in our lives. Not just there in the church. But into eternity. With us. If Jesus is welcome and we accept him into our lives. Shall we pray? Lord Jesus, thank you for all that you are. Lord Jesus, thank you for all that you do and all that you did. In our hearts this morning, we know that we are humans and we stuff up. The ping pong balls have filled our jug and actually we don't look the same as what we should life has got in the way Lord Jesus would you fill us afresh this morning that we would know you at the centre of who we are so that in the future we don't just introduce ourselves by our name our age, where we come from but we introduce ourselves as a follower of you Lord Jesus be with us now by your Holy Spirit I pray Amen